Today on the Business Leader Breakthroughs podcast, I'm joined by Jen Scholar. Jen is the CEO of Avocado New Zealand, and she shares insights around leadership, teams, and organizations gathered over a career ranging from involvement in the horticulture industry to gathering up her family, heading to Europe to become a trade commissioner. There are plenty of insights and her top three are everyone is different, competency is important, and leadership is not the same thing as being at the top. Join us for our conversation and learn what Jen means for those top three leadership insights. Jen, welcome along to the show. Fantastic to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, it's lovely to be here, I think. <laughs> uh, you think? Or are you concerned about some of the questions I'm going to throw? Uh, you know, waltz on, on through this. Uh, look, Jen, really excited for our conversation today, uh, what you've achieved in your own leadership um, in the industry and prior to being involved in, in avocados. Um, there's a bit of a theme here. There was a bit of kiwi fruit action for a while there as well, wasn't there? <laughs> yes, and what, there was indeed, yes. <laughs> okay, so we might dig into that. There was uh, ventures overseas with New Zealand Trade and Enterprise. There's a whole host of experience you've been able to uh, have and that have helped shape not only your own leadership, but how you lead um, others and what you've observed. So we're going to get into that. You've got some great leadership insights, but let's start off with our fast fact questions. First one, breakfast or dinner? Breakfast. Right. What was on the menu today? Avocados on toast. <laughs> oh, what an ambassador. That were, that were, we didn't even set that up for the audience. We didn't even set that up. That was just straight off the cuff. Well played. Um, holiday, would we find you bungee jumping or on the pool lounger with a cocktail? I'd sort of half and half. I'd actually be on the pool lounger, but I jumped off the diving board to get on the pool lounger. I like it. Good combo. Good combo. And would there be a favourite cocktail? <laughs> you know, there must be some kind of like... Yeah, bubbles. Ab- Absolutely. Oh, bubbles, bubbles would be there, yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say that it was going to be an avocado smoothie. But, uh, <laughs> missed an opportunity there. <laughs> okay. Would we most likely find you in trainers or heels? Actually, a good combination of both. I would like to be in... I really like heels, but my, my feet don't like them as much, and I love my trainers. Nice. Playing the, playing the combo card again. I like it. And when you're on that uh, pool lounger having dived in, swim across, would we likely find you reading a real book or a Kindle? A real book, though I have to admit I've just bought a Kindle at my daughter's suggestion. Yeah, life-changing. And I know uh, I would say probably 95% of the guests that we have on the podcast still like the real book. Uh, but as someone who's about to go on holiday myself, the ability to take the Kindle and take four or five books and that one little device is pretty cool. Yes, I agree. Where are you going? I'm going to Fiji. Oh, lovely. Are you going to be bungee jumping or on the lounger? Uh, both. both. <laughs> my, my sort of version of bungee jumping in Fiji might be surfing, but, uh, yeah, that would be where I'll grab my uh, adrenaline and then, yeah, I'll um, definitely be looking for an avocado smoothie while I'm on the pool lounger. <laughs> Good man. <laughs> okay, cats or dogs? Dogs. Dogs, nice. Are, are you a current dog owner? No. No, okay. I have two leftover cats from when my daughters wanted them and then they left home. <laughs> oh, geez, mums are good people, aren't they? Always yeah, picking up the really pieces. they're really good people. 
<laughs> and Jen, routine-wise, are you an early riser or a night owl? I'd actually go, I'm sorry, I'm doing a combo again. My best ever was I had three weeks when my sister lived in the Middle East and you got up early and you did stuff and then you came home, had lunch and had a sleep and then you could go out after dinner as well. So I'm doing a combo again, I'm sorry. Oh, look, I quite like that approach and uh, I feel like half of South America uh, is uh, is open to that approach, aren't they? A bit of a siesta in the afternoon, re-energize and yeah. reconnect and, and go again. Yep. I might have to give it a give it a try. And uh, if you were to be watching a movie, would you go for a thriller or a comedy? Thriller. Mm, like a bit of excitement, a bit of intrigue? Probably anything but comedy, actually. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> Create your own comedy. Don't need to don't need to watch someone else's. Perfect. Hey, thanks for that, Jen. Appreciate those uh, fast fact insights. Let's come across to the topic for today, which is leadership. And you're able to bring a different, uh, or maybe I should say a multitude of leadership insights. Um, As someone who leads an industry body, you uh, have leadership at the industry level. You're also leading an organization. So you're uh, leading people in your own, own team. And then uh, I think you're a you know bastion for women leading as well. Um, so I'm really looking forward to being able to hear some of your insights and, and dig into them. Can you uh, lead us off with a summary? Your top three leadership insights, Jen. What are they? I'm, I'm gonna um, I'm, I'm just gonna change the rules all the time because I've just realised one I didn't didn't put on my list. So can I have four? Uh, top three plus one. <laughs> yeah, let's call it that. Sure thing. Okay, everyone is different. Competency is really important. Just do it. And uh, leadership's not the same as being at the top. Mm, Intriguing. Okay. Um, Shall we check all these in order? Or do you think there's one in particular you'd like to dive straight into? No, you choose. Okay, let's let's start off with the first one. Everyone is different. Tell us more about that. Well, I think it's just something you realise and something that as you go along... People need, want, uh, respond to things so differently and you can't put people in a box. You can't suggest they're all the same. And I think one of the things I've found in my journey is that understanding how people work and operate and respond or not to things is a huge part of how you inspire them to, to be on a journey. And it's... It's easy to look at someone and assume certain traits about them and because you haven't found out. And it's really important to do that finding out because they, yeah, assumptions are exactly what that is. And so, and I think it's, everyone is different. Everyone wants different things. The journey is different. And to get it right, you really need to do a bit of exploring and and really actually listen so that you do learn how different they are. And Jen, what have been some of those differences you've observed? Is it things like introversion versus extroversion? Is it style of work? Is it the way people think? Is it how they respond versus, you know, maybe um, more directive versus uh, keeping it open for them? What are some of those differences you've observed? And then how have you tried to adjust your leadership to accommodate those? It's all of those things. And um, we had a, a lovely conversation at a Tohono dinner on last week. And actually I was I was asked what one of my the thing, the real the things that I've learnt in the last maybe 10 years that's really important. And I actually said 
small talk. And I think we used to, if I think about a couple of the first leadership courses I did 20 years ago, probably, it was all high level. It was all, let's, let's think, you know, like think outside the box and, you know, I'm a strategic thinker and I'm holistic and I, you know, and that's fine. That's, that's good. But actually, leadership's actually about bringing people along, moving people ahead, or not even doing it yourself, enabling them to move ahead. And a lot of that is done in little small steps in their own way, and in a way that you learn from. And it's actually you don't find out what those ways are or who they are without that small talk to chat about. And I actually think it's something that we are learning um, from the change or accepting culture in New Zealand, listening to our Māori um, founders and saying that some, some of that small talk is really important. And it was actually a big, um, uh, uh, that everyone is different was something that I um, had a wall on a little bit in Germany because I went to Germany as a Kiwi, having been in London for nine years and um, didn't anticipate how different people were and it didn't always helped me make progress where I wanted to go. And what were were some of your observations when you're in Germany? Like how was the, maybe in that it was particularly cultural differences or or cultural norms? What were some of the things that uh, surprised you? Well, my biggest surprise um, going as the team lead in um, for a team of 14 in Hamburg in Germany was that uh, the boss was not part of your friend group. And so you could discuss team events at a team dinner and and have a budget for that but as the boss you don't get invited um and not to get upset about that even though it's quite upsetting so <laughs> sure for a kiwi that's horrible <laughs> well when we didn't really know anybody it would have been quite a nice way to interact but um it's those things and um that's that's, that's how they operate um in other ways um obviously there were some other um amazingly lovely parts about that role too in germany but that was just a um, when I thought about some of the things in this podcast, I thought I was thought I'd I'd got to a level. I thought I knew how to um, um, inspire a team, but I needed to change a bit there. And Jen, we've got a uh, different working environment for lots of organisations now, where we're doing a lot more remote working. I don't uh, feel like the remote working is particularly conducive to that small talk and just catching up and connecting with people on a maybe a more human level. feels like when we're connecting uh, online, we're very uh, maybe task or outcomes focused in our, in our meetings. Um, what are you observing in your organisation around that and how maybe how are you trying to address that if you feel that is a gap? Yeah, and that's a really good observation. So we, uh, we certainly said, um, sure, let's, um, let's have a couple of days that we can work from home. People felt that that was going to, they can get lots done. Um, you're not having the interruptions and that we're absolutely doing that. What the interesting thing I've worked out in the last um, maybe three or four months is that, and I'm the same, if I've got board papers to write um, or a report to do, or I've got stuff to figure out, um, great, I can sit at home and, and just get on with it. But it's actually the stuff that's new 
um, or the stuff where I'm not quite sure what the answer is, I will ring a couple of my colleagues, but I won't, won't ring four of them. And quite often it impacts marketing and sustainability and finance and research. And I, in my team environment at work, I will have that, what I'm calling small talk, that little conversation with four people. Whereas if I was at home, I'd only have with two. So I'm, I'm not getting as a rounded thinking for myself. I also found that sometimes when um, I've been doing a bit of sinking as I've been swimming frantically to get things done lately, and um, sometimes when you're swimming hard and not knowing where the surface is, um, it's actually quite nice to have teams, even if you're not talking to them, you can hear them in the next office or in the corridor or in the tea room. And I, so I, I think you, we really need to work out that um, that team, the teamwork is um, is really important. And yes, we can. We I think a combination of the two is going to be really, really great going forward. But I'm not giving up my office office life with the team around me because I find that really energizing. Yeah, likewise, um, very much an extrovert myself, get my energy from being around others. Uh, and we've noticed in our organisation, we were doing flexible working well before uh, the COVID situation, uh, but we've had to work you know, extra hard to make sure people are still connecting and we're getting some of those conversations that are happening. And when you were talking about the perspectives of other people in your team I was looking at a, a rescue if you're familiar with that kind of model of looking at who if a, a project needs to be done who's responsible who's accountable you know who's in support who's in inform and I and I can it just ma- immediately made me think about uh, if you're not easily connected with people how you can often miss the inform people uh, or getting that perspective that you talked about so um, yeah very very valid points all right let's um, step to your next one, competency is important. I'm not very competent in saying competency, but there we go. Competency is important. And that's just, um, to me, I uh, maybe it's a, a, a requirement that I find um, I would, if I want to, if I think somebody's leading, if I want to be inspired by somebody, I need to see that competent. And I think it's something um, in the past, perhaps uh, you get to leadership level without always being competent in things or maybe you step up to that next run next leadership level without it but I think I just think competency is really important I think it's really um, valuable that we understand what we're good at Um, I think it's great that we extend what we're good at but um, I think it's just to me it's important we recognize um, competency in ourselves and others and and value it because um, to me it helps make the world go round, and it's uh, um, it's something that we always need to be going forward um, and uh, making progress. And to do that, I think competency is important. Sure. And Jen, as a leader, how do you address the situation where you know someone's got some gaps in their competency? They may be growing in their role. How do you uh, try and find the right balance between going, hey, I really just need this level of competency in this role for you to be effective? Uh, as as well as going, hey, we're here to grow and develop people and help them grow the competency as they as they evolve. Well, it's interesting. We have a um, a couple of things in our team. We have a um, number one. We have an eighty twenty rule. So we say that nobody does a hundred percent of their role because uh, number one, you don't want silos. Um, we do like that interaction. We don't. Um, we're an industry body. Lots is happening. We're trying to be agile. Um, it's always good that somebody is there to ask 
about your role, like you can say, oh, how does this done or is this the best way? Obviously, when you cover, particularly when we've got illnesses or COVID um, or on holiday, that's great. But it's um, I've just found that the 80-20 rule is a lovely way to make sure that there's that um, a required interaction across each role. And across my team, there'd be five people that can do 20% of my role too. So it's not, it's not, it's all of us. Um, and the other thing I've said to my team is that um, I, we, I asked them all around the table uh, probably a year ago, maybe two years ago now, because we've always been in the office, but um, how much of the job that you were employed to do are you still doing? And nobody was more than 50%. Correct. Because if you're good at doing something, you're more likely to do it well. Mm-hmm. And so, and some people like some stuff that other people don't. So we sort of people just fluidly share a bit of their roles because, you know, there's nothing we, we, we don't have, you know, we don't have to exactly do this, this role and this by this person. So um, people like being competent. They like doing a role well. As somebody else on my team says, I don't come to work trying to stuff up. I come to work wanting to do the best job for our growers. And that's what we all do. We want to be competent and we have to find ways to help people be confident. Sometimes that is um, saying actually merging their role with another bit with somebody else's so they're actually doing something well um, because people get really proud of doing stuff well. And it's great watching that. Mm, Indeed. And when you are recruiting for leaders in your team or, you know, teams in the past, has there been a particular competency that you've looked for or tested hard or interviewed for around uh, the leadership aspects of what you're looking for? Competency is also about the competency to be proactive as part of cultural development. So it's, um, it's being competent as a person. Um, it's being competent to share yourself and be open as a person. That's probably I might not have until this podcast talked about that competency in that way, but it is, right? It, it's a, the competency to be a good team player. I like it. Okay. Leadership is not the same as being at the top. <laughs> hey, come on. I've got the I've got the title. I've got the corner office. Job's done, isn't it? In the past, maybe. Um, you might lead a group of people to form a circle and to to have a, you know, to sit in a circle and have a round table discussion. You might lead a group of people to change their habits so that they are becoming more healthy. You might lead a people that that lead a group of people that uh, or you might lead a team of people that you're not leading, but you're helping to get them to work better together. It's a not a ladder. Um, hopefully, as a leader, you're always learning as well. And it's not that you're learning from below and trying to go up, but you're learning from right across the spectrum. So it's just, I think, a reflection. I've I've had a number of roles in the last 15 years where I wouldn't have said I've, I've made sideways moves because they're really interesting. Um, and But I don't think sideways, work, it's, it's, it's not a thing anymore, right? It's, it's, a, it's a fantastic move for me. And it's not an up or a down or around. It's a it's something that I want to do and it um, makes me a better or more accomplished or um, happier person and mm-hmm. those are the things that you do. So 
um, yeah, I think it's just that's that to me is 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 quite important, and it's yeah, it's, it's a change from probably what's happened in the past. Yeah, I think the thinking has evolved certainly for for some and organisations, and we're seeing uh, certainly not new trends, but people thinking about servant leadership. So rather than I'm sitting at the you know the top of the virtual uh, pyramid and I'm here to command and control, actually let's flip that around and go the very most important people we have in the organisation. And if I put this in the context for um, for your organisation. It would be uh, our growers are our customers. So the people that are most directly connected to our growers are the most important people in the organization. So as a leader, how can I enable, serve, uh, assist them to do what they need to do? Is that kind of on the on the theme of what you're thinking about there as well, Jen? Absolutely, yeah. It, it's because, I mean, at the end of the day, well, not everyone maybe. So this is, again, I have to recognize that I might be different in my way of, of thinking, but... Um, to me, everyone's trying to make a positive difference. Everyone's wanting to to get to a place where they think they'll be happier. Um, and to do that requires different actions, mentorship, inspiring um, activity. So it's, uh, it's, and again, it can be really small steps. It's not going to be great, you know, one great big promotion that gets you to your happy place forever. Um, I just think we have to take life in little bites and um, enjoy those bites along the way if we can. Indeed. And I think leadership comes in so many uh, shapes and forms, and we know that uh, trust and respect is earned, not granted. Just because you've got the the title doesn't mean to say that people immediately respect you as a leader and a um business colleague was reflecting how he was working as a as a young teenager and there was uh, a foreman in the in the environment where he's working and then there was the real leader and that real leader was a um a Māori guy who had very strong mana and actually didn't matter what the foreman said yes he had the uh, the right uh, title and he had the leadership role um, but unless unless the this um, particular guy said this is what we're doing no one did anything and it was, you know, it was <laughs> yeah. both a, a good uh, a good culture insight and a good like leadership comes in lots of shapes and sizes and in different directions absolutely yeah absolutely okay I wonder before we uh, talk about just do it Jen if we could come to uh, woman in leadership and I'm interested in your thoughts here. Uh, I talk about this often with my sister, who's in a senior leadership role in, in New Zealand and has done them overseas. And one of the anecdotes, I guess, we discuss is the, um, and this is gross generalization here, so uh, uh, let's just use it as a discussion point. Um, a job ad comes up, uh, someone says it requires these 10 things you've got to be good at. Let's call them competencies for the sake of our conversation. Um, a, a guy looks at it and goes, oh, I can do three of those, so I'm going to apply. A woman looks at it and goes, I, I, oh, I can only do seven of those, so I better not apply because I can't do all 10. What's your uh, maybe experience and, and reflection on that? I think it's a great example when it might be a gross uh, <laughs> misrepresentation, but it's a, it's a pretty valid um, comment, Ryan. I think the um, we're getting better. We're getting better, and um, but there's a long way to go. I think the um, Australia just put out the agenda inequality statistics this week, and they're appalling. 
um, you know, and it's uh, what can we do? And um, I'm not quite sure. I think the but but there's some. So we have to look at the good things as well. There's a there's there are some um, amazing women leaders. There are some amazing women doing really great things. Um, I'm surrounded by some amazing um, females that um, inspire me every day, um, and I think that we um, that's really helping. Policy doesn't doesn't allow women, um, you know, to to achieve um, an equal way, an equal um, measure to males, um, and it's it's too slow the progress. And um, I don't, um, I haven't got a solution to that. And I'm sure if there was one, that would be um, uh, it would be put on the table. But um, one of the things that's really important is that. As women, we need to support women and we need to um, do what we can to um, enable them to um, to achieve what is on equal terms with male. But I don't, don't have a solution on it, unfortunately. Maybe, Jen, tell us how do you try to uh, foster uh, growth of female leaders, maybe in your organisation or in your networks or, you know, in the wider uh, growing community, what are, what are you able to achieve there? Um, so one little thing we did, which I um, took from um, my German days, was that um, in Germany it is a legal requirement that when a woman is on maternity leave um, or on parental leave and there's a pay, there's a, there's a pay change in the organisation, they have to get the average of the pay rises for the team they're in, right? So that whole thing of you're 10% behind because you've had two kids and you haven't had maternity leave when there was a pay rise um, and you didn't get it. Um, a little thing, but it's quite a nice. Um, sure. A couple of my team who have had it said it was really nice. They got a notification from me to say they had a pay rise while they were at home um, mm-hmm. um, with, the, uh, with the baby or pregnant. So that was sure. that's a little thing, but it's a start. I just try to support my team um, members in particular um, to um, to achieve what they want to achieve. Um, I definitely have across uh, my network some colleagues who I um, would look at me for some mentorship, mentorship um, and just to sort of, you know, I'm very happy always to talk through that. Uh, we have a women in horticulture um, association that is not as active as we'd like it to be, but um we, yeah, recently, well, recently, we must have been just before COVID probably was the last function we had. Um, and it was just women loved coming around. We had a couple of speakers and just sharing our stories and their stories. It's uh, it's, it's very positive, but still a long way to go. And um, some sure. of the big, yeah. So progress, progress, not perfection, yeah. right? Yeah, small, small steps. And yeah. the, the woman in horticulture, who was that looking to... Uh, accommodate was it uh, everyone every uh, female working in horticulture or was it more uh, senior leaders can you tell us a bit more about that it was absolutely intended for women in horticulture not leaders in horticulture it was actually it came about um we were all having a glass of wine I think at the um at the end of a horticulture um, function at some stage and realized that the last three years the winners of the um the the big um awards um at, at the those grower dinners were males uh, and a very good, a close friend of mine in my um, kiwifruit days um, won the award 
And he and his wife had set up this Kiwi Fruit Orchard. And yes, by the time the award was given, he was more active perhaps in Kiwi Fruit. But he said, I went on stage by myself. And it wasn't just me. But I was, it didn't occur to me till I was standing there, but I didn't have my wife beside me and she was as much behind the success as me. So um, that was quite a, um, you know, an open admission from someone. And we were sitting there thinking, how do we get more women to stand? Because it's a little bit like, you know, we've only got three competencies. I'm not going to stand. And um, and so um, we have, we've had um, more women receiving awards. So that's been a great start. We've had, um, <laughs> A funny bit of a bad story. The first time, um, probably now four years ago, uh, we organised to have a women in horticulture event at the um, at the annual horticulture conference. Guess when they made the event? It was at eight a.m. on the morning after the dinner. That is terrible. It was terrible, and there were a lot of people who were very unhappy with that. It's mm-hmm. since been moved to the right. prime spot on day two, right. um, but. Uh, and, you know, when we all sat in that room and talked about things, we liked being out of view, um, voice issues. It wasn't um, female only, absolutely sure. not. Um, and it was a, so it was just a lovely way of, um, we connected, we communicated, we communicate differently sometimes and we like that. Um, and, you know, we want to be able to influence the way that those forums or those sessions are run and, um I recently was at the Hawk Connections over in Brisbane, uh, which is run by the International Fruit Produce Association and Ausveg um, for Australia and New Zealand. And we had a woman in horticulture um, session there and um, actually just had, had a speaker on diversity. Um, it was actually for the uh, Aborigine, not for mm-hmm. um, women, but um, then an amazing speaker um, who's a 38-year-old managing director of her family um, vegetable farm, and she's passionate about building capability and um, females and um, making sure she's got equal pay across her team. So again, lots of opportunity to just make a little bit of difference in lots of places, but um, we want to see more women in horticulture. Um, Another lovely story, um, one of our orchards up in the far north, struggling for labour over COVID without backpackers. Um, They now have a bus that picks up women at nine o'clock after the kids have gone to school and drops them back at two. And those women work really hard and they don't have to worry about having their the cars, they don't need a car, um, they they don't have to worry with the kids and um, they are doing a great job. So um, lots of ways that we can help mm. women um, get where they want to go without there being additional um, constraints in the way. Yeah, that's a uh, fantastic initiative and a good outcome for the uh, grower, right, who who was in need of the labour. Absolutely. So good, mm. <laughs> good solution for everyone. Absolutely. All right. And Jen, you mentioned earlier you're surrounded by some uh, female leaders that inspire you. Uh, could you share an insight of one particularly that comes to mind? Who are they and why do they inspire you? I've got a combination of two because I had dinner with them recently um, and they're successful but in quite a quiet way. They are. Um, they don't blow their trumpet. They are very happy to stand and speak, um, hugely competent in their role. Uh, they have... Uh, lived abroad, they've lived, they've worked in different um, industry, both are in horticulture, 
um, and they they also are inclusive. So they, I, you know, are definitely up the ladder from me if there is a ladder, um, but that's not any, you know, there's nothing there. You'd never know that. Um, they they also want to have fun along the way, and I think that's really important because, flip, you know, life's tough enough <laughs> to put that fun in, right? Um, and so I just see them succeeding, see the way they succeed. They're not doing it aggressively, which sort of I'll come back and talk about my escalator journey um, shortly, but, um, you know, they are very successful, they're ambitious, um, but they're very inclusive and they don't want to make a journey on their own. They want to take people along on their journey. Mm. Indeed. I'm trying to recall the uh, proverb that goes something like, um, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, yeah. go together. Yes. It's uh, very, very valid. Alrighty. Um, Jen, talk to us about Just Do It. Uh, and I assume here you're not also a Nike ambassador as well as an avocado ambassador? No, I'm not actually. Their shoes don't fit me terribly well, so no. Um, it's just something that I, uh, when I look back at my career, um, I've done a couple of jumps across crevasses and wondered what the hell I was doing jumping across a crevasse. I, I remember my book club when I was oh, probably 20 years ago um, and they talked about um, getting out of their comfort zone and I'd been in Europe for 12 years and came back to Tauranga um, and I said, <laughs> I'm out of my comfort zone being here in a nice little group just in this little town just doing, you know, starting motherhood. Um, and so I have tend to have this sort of, I don't know, I see something really exciting and I just go, just do it. And it's, I like watching other people just do it. I love watching athletes and just, you know, just the, the way that they can, the discipline they've got to achieve what they achieve is just phenomenal. And, um, but every now and again, you just have to, you just have to do it, right? Just jump, just go. I, and it's not always physical. I, Remember in my early days in Hamburg when, as a diplomat, I went I st- I, um, about the 9th of January and on the 10th of January we had a diplomatic function at the Rathaus, the big town hall, and there were um, 110 diplomats um, in Hamburg and um, I was day two, not having had a whole lot of training, and my secretary took me to the red steps, the carpeted steps up the Rathaus um, stairs and said, Jen, I'm going to need to leave you here. I'm not allowed to go further. And I walked up those stairs thinking I my German wasn't very good. I was not a diplomat. I had no idea what was facing me. And I go into this amazing hall, and there was lots of people all milling around in twos and threes, and I just I thought, just do it. Just walk up to those people and say hello in English and see how it goes. And they were Spanish and French and they didn't speak German either. So it was like, yay. (laughs) And every function you go to, like, you know, you go networking and um, not so much here in New Zealand, but the functions you go to somewhere else and you just have to say, just to put your smile on and just do it. Go and talk to those people. And it very seldom goes wrong. Indeed. Indeed. And uh, if you're in a crowd, should you approach uh, people that are in a two or a three? I don't know if I've ever thought of that, actually. There Ooh, is, is a there an answer? There, yeah, there is a, <laughs> um, there is a technique here. I uh, had some 
uh, amazing training from a guy called Nigel Speakman, uh, who does all these kind of, kind of things, how to network. And uh, he said it's always best to approach uh, a three because uh, um, three, when you join, can easily break into two conversations if it needs to, but it's also small enough to oh, remain okay. one conversation. Oh, okay. Whereas, um, and often in a, a three, there's one person who's, you know, or a couple of people that are not talking, whereas in a, a two, it's often they're very engaged. So when when you join, it feels like a real interruption. So it was one of the training pieces that I'd always remembered that when I'm in that situation, I always look for a group of three and, and join the three. So there oh, you go. thanks for the advice. Yeah. I'll use that. Thank you. Use that one. <laughs> That's good. And Jen, how do you try to bring Just Do It to life in your organization? Are you... Uh, do you bring that to life by going, let's not uh, die through um, analysis uh, of, you know, what might and what might not work? Do you try to encourage people to grab things and, and run with it? I do. I think um, I would, I will always find somebody said, yeah, Jen, but then you said we had to think about the budget. Um, so <laughs> reality hurts as well, but I try to, and it's something that I, um, you know, that, that whole thing of, delegate if you can um and so you can actually say yep just do it just go and go and flesh it out go and see what happens or um actually guys you're the experts in this and you need to make those decisions um or gosh what we're doing with the world avocado congress there's none of us are experts so we're all having to say (laughs) should we do this yep sounds a great idea (laughs) just do it oh and and how many great lots of ways yeah. So many great outcomes have occurred because we didn't know we didn't follow the trodden path, right? So um, tell us more about the World Avocado Congress. What is it about? When is it? Who's hosting it? What language are we speaking? Uh, so World Avocado Congress is the 2nd to the 5th of April 2023. It's the prestigious once every four years avocado, global avocado event. Uh, we bid to be the host um, in Peru in 2015, but lost to Colombia. So we had to go back to Colombia in 2019 and bid again. And we bid against Mexico, who is 55-0 times bigger than us as an avocado sector. Um, they bought in a mariachi band the last day to drum up support, um, but we still beat them. Um, so we are hosting that in April in, at the AATS Centre in Auckland. We are in a COVID environment, so who knows how we're going to go with travel and those sort of things. We've got fantastic support from my New Zealand exporters um, and some of our, um, our software company here. Um, great support from our um, Tourism New Zealand and Plant and Food and, and um, Auckland Unlimited. Uh, still, we're just starting on global sponsorship. Um, we're hoping to get 750 people and right. it will be three days of academic sessions. Um, the theme is respectful. So respect for environment, respect for people, respect for economic sustainability, respectful. And it's something that ties in very nicely, I think, our the culture of New Zealand across all of New Zealand uh, and the way we want to present our avocado produce to the world and the need, I think, in the global environment of respect for each other. So um, we're pretty excited. It's uh, We're doing it as... Um, we had zero seed funding and we are doing it on top of business as usual. So um, days like today, I think this is the only meeting that I haven't been late for. Um, and my leadership skills today have been a little bit of sinking, 
um, and figuring out how I get back up to the top um, um, and working, swimming really hard, but never quite getting to the top. But very excited about the World Avocado Congress. Um, thank you for asking. And um, we are hoping that we'll get, um, yeah, lots of support and lots of media attention around it because I think it's going to be an amazing event. Fantastic. And for those of us that are not invited to the event, any chance we can swing by for an avocado smoothie? <laughs> well, actually, we haven't yet decided whether we're going to have a marquee out the front of Aotea um, Centre in the square. Um, everything, I'm actually, um, I'm a beanie by trade, so um, I'm, I'm, which is lucky because the event is, um, it's, it, you have to sort of get your budget right. Um, and we're not allowed to do anything until we've got another lot of sponsorship or right. we've got sold a certain number of tickets. So at the moment, um, we are all eating one sandwich for lunch and um, and uh, there's no coffee cart and um, there's not even a glass of wine at the end of the day. Um, but when we've got sponsorship and people and exhibitions sold, um, then yes, we will be heading towards being able to have avocado smoothies um, day and night. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. So uh, if anyone's listening to this and would like to become a sponsor for the World Avocado Congress, Jen, they can uh, reach out to you directly? Absolutely, they can, yes. And there's brilliant. a website that they can join too. Okay, well, and oh, that is, uh, I can see it on screen here, uh, World Avocado Conference NZ 2023, but it's in the short version, which is WACNZ2023.com. So Correct. Um, we'll make sure we put that link in the uh, show notes as well for people to access uh, easily and get involved. Thank you very much. Alrighty. Um, Jen, look there was, there. Sorry, there was just one thing just before you nicely introduced the World Avocado Congress. Um, you talked, you had that, um, you, that the saying, um, the the road most trodden. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a kid on my bedroom wall, I had Robert Frost, two roads diverged into a wood and I, I took the one less travelled by and that has made all the difference. So um, it reminded me to come back to, to that because it was uh, that's something that um, I think is important and I think as a Kiwi that's pretty much ingrained in us that we like taking the road less travelled. Mm. I only think you've been a fine example of that, Jen, some of the choices you've made like uh, you know, taking on taking on the world, going to live in Hamburg, living in a city where you don't speak the language, uh, becoming a diplomat where that was uh, new to you. You know, <laughs> some fantastic examples. And yet, it sounds like on reflection, when you look at back at those, they've been some of the best moves you've made, and have uh, helped shape you um, not only as a person but as a as a business leader as well. Absolutely. Yep. Thank you. Okay. Well, I'll add one that I was talking about on. Um, I left home on my bicycle when I was 18 to go to university in Christchurch. So um, when bikes weren't very, um, we didn't have any suspension. I We we had very skimpy clothes. We didn't get a tan marks and no helmet and no gloves. And my girlfriend and I made it from Tauranga to Christchurch. So that was one of my first just do it, which was a, was a fun thing to have started my um my life away from home is. That is a uh, epic adventure. So one would assume you packed reasonably light for, well, uh, for university. I don't, I don't recall. I know we had a skirt in in case we went out at night on the way, <laughs> but we just had a couple of panniers and we must have trucked our gear down. I don't mm. recall that, but um, yes, yeah. we were. We just had pannier bags for our yeah. for our lunch and, um, and a change of clothes, I think. So I don't think the uh, Toronga wardrobe would have gone very well in a uh, Christchurch winter. <laughs> Correct. Uh, what a great story. 
Uh, okay, final question for Eugene today. If you could be anyone in the world for a day, who would you be? Is this allowed to be that I'm not, I'm not, I'm allowed to dream of being that person? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'd be the Governor General of New Zealand. Mm. Why, why would you choose that role? Is in this position that um, she, and it's quite yes. often a she, which is wonderful, um, she is the representative um, for the Queen for New Zealand. She gets invited to lovely things. Um, I don't believe she's meant to be political, so you actually don't have to have political views. Uh, and you get um, one of the things I knew as a diplomat, we got invited to such cool things. And, um, you know, I sat in such amazing um, venues and meetings. And I think that the Governor General um, is, the, is, is probably in the same boat. And I thought um, as a, um, that role for a day on one of the trips that she's doing that's amazing would be pretty cool. Sounds sounds pretty good, and who knows? After you've uh, delivered the World Avocado Congress, you might be dusting <laughs> off the CV just in time for the next uh, next round of Governor General. Um, Jean, look, thank you so much for your time joining us on the podcast. You've really shared some great insights with us. Um, I love your. You know, we used to call them a top three. I think they've evolved into a top four. <laughs> Sorry so about that. Uh, no, thanks for uh, thanks for thanks for extending, and uh, I think you managed to uh, move every either or choice into a combo. So um, basically, you've just entirely hijacked the uh, process and uh, made it your own, which is surely a, a true sign of leadership. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's been fun talking to you. Thanks, Jen. Bye bye. Cheers.